With Medical Memory recording hundreds of thousands of patients with their HIPAA-compliant mobile app, we felt it was relevant to start discussing the best practices in patient communication, especially now that so many providers are recording these patient interactions with video. My name is Julie, and I've spent 15 years working with physicians to strengthen their communication skills. Listen in as we learn tips from the industry's best in patient experience. How can we strengthen these patient and family conversations and help our nurses and providers optimize their time, especially now that the camera is on? So quiet on the set, roll camera. This is scene one, take one, patient. Now, action. I'm Julie with another episode of Take One Patient. I'm very excited because I'm here with Sean Wood. He is the VP of Mid-South Transitional Medicine or Medical Group, excuse me. Um, and their uh, role is really to help patients transition from inpatient medical care into long-term uh, suitability at their home. So I'm really excited that he's coming in to talk about, you know, how the implications of communication and all of those things are impacted, especially when the family is integrated and in that support. So thanks for joining us, Sean. Why don't you kind of start and tell us like a little bit more about, about kind of what you guys um, do and a little bit more about yourself. Excellent. Well, again, uh, thank you for having uh, me on the show in this podcast episode. Uh, yeah, so essentially we've been, uh, I am, like I said, Sean with Mid-South Transitions Medical Group. We've been established for well over four years. Doesn't seem like a lot of time, but uh, I have a healthcare background dating well over three decades, mainly in the pharmacy world. Uh, but we've established this practice over four years ago, and we focus on the patient who has a high risk to readmit to hospitals, especially the frequent flyers going through the ER. Those are very uh, uh, sick patients. Usually, uh, they have a lot of lot of needs. They don't have a lot of great communication and, and many different references. Uh, but we help fill the gaps. That was the, re the reason versus missional move that we wanted to create the practice in the first place. The practice is not just a typical doctor's office. We focus on house calls, traditional house calls, medical house calls for sure, uh, and telemedicine. We utilize the technology we now have access to fingertips, even in the rural areas. And we increase that access to care literally 24 seven, 365 with the type of care that we provide. Uh, in the sense that in comparison, uh, transitional medicine in the past, oh, say 10 years has been evolving from uh, insurance companies, Medicare, things like that, to have more compliance-driven, better outcomes. And that's uh, where they give you uh, interesting metrics to meet, and they don't always tell you how to get there. <laughs> and so uh, we've uh, felt that we should step into that game. Uh, myself and my five other business partners, I have uh, three physicians, our owners, uh, one nurse practitioner, a pharmacist, and myself. And we, uh, we have that in the the whole capacity. We now employ uh, over 60 nurse practitioners in less than four years from no, no charts, zero at the beginning. Uh, and we operate and we're based out of Texarkana, Texas, but we have multiple offices in Tyler, Texas, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. We're even serving as far as Dallas, Fort Worth. So we're literally the main Mid-South when we created it. We created for the Mid-South United States as a missional move, once again, to, to help uh, increase the access to care and, and, and solved a lot of those gap, uh, problems with the gaps of the family members, uh, all the way through to even the caregivers. We all have uh, different uh, levels of gaps that we must cover in order to optimize the patient's outcomes. Absolutely. And I would, I would imagine that's a very um, 
um, nerve-wracking time for a patient that's going from an inpatient setting to now, okay, I don't have the nurse, the team, the machines, all of those things around me. You know, they're often probably, I'm sure, incredibly nervous. Family members are nervous. Um, how do you ensure that patients, you know, really kind of stay compliant as they are moving into um, more of their care at home? Gotcha. Uh, so in this case, uh, the, the the type of practice we are, think of it definitely like a brand new specialty that didn't exist even 10 years ago, as much as like, say, cardiology, gastroenterology are in commonplace these days and times and has been historically for some time. Uh, anyway, so what we do is we help coordinate the care. We're not acting like a social worker, but we are kind of in one respect, but we're doing it on the provider level. And so what we do is uh, in the house calls telemedicine space, we uh, execute many aspects at once, including uh, not only care coordination, care execution, obviously uh, treating patients according to providers and to it. We have other facets within the practice, and this is kind of where it gets to be a really cool deep dive, is we have a clinical pharmacy, which I'm, my, I'm one of the big members there, uh, and we uh, help uh, focus on the medications. And the, there's a lot, there's a huge amount of gaps uh, in, in medicine, making sure there's compliance, making sure there's not duplications of therapies, overdoses of certain uh, same drugs in the same class. There's huge disconnect. And it is really its own pandemic. And that's that's a big issue uh, on top of the one we've all lived through and still getting a, a good bite from. Yeah. Uh, so those things are very key. And we have not only the clinical pharmacy team inside the practice that uh, is under the directive of the provider saying, okay, go do your thing, go do your service, do your license forward, what you can do. We also have dietitian nutritionists that do the same thing under the direction of the provider. So it's a very big village to treat a patient. You have multifacets, multidisciplines, like what you would do, say, if you're going through a graduate school and into the doctorate programs and so forth. You round with physicians in the hospitals and nurses and, and, and pharmacists, they do that as well. And they work as a team to take care of that patient. They're seeing there, even though they're in training and getting through the metrics and the ends of schools, it's very important at principle for that, that to continue in private practice or in the, you know, serving the patients, whether it be in a facility-based, uh, a long-term care facility, a uh, nursing facility, even at the, you know, the normal, what we call nursing home. Uh, but really, even in patients' home, that's even bigger because there's a lot more dynamics, a lot more obstacles. Uh, there's just so much we can try to cram into that. And we try to solve that problem during the, of, the phase of transition from the acute care facility, i.e. hospital, back to their home or where their residence is to make a new normal for them. Yeah. So how, you know, understanding that and, 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 you know, your entire team is helping to be able to do that in multi facets, which means probably a lot of information and a newer perspective on how to work with patients and help with patients. And then also a lot of times, you know, on a patient side, it's not just them. Usually they do have kind of a little support team or family that's helping. How do you, um, Recognizing it's a newer space, how do you ensure kind of communication about either changes or about um, new perceptions in medication? How do you ensure that patients and their families best understand some of the, the information that you guys are providing? Because it sounds like it's pretty, pretty robust, which is awesome, but also, um, in, you know, a, a lot of different specialties. 
Yes, yes. So what the, the, like you said, the, on the degree of communication, we have uh, a lot of access and a lot of people have needs when they say they go, let's just say they go from the hospital back to their, their, res their primary residence, yeah. uh, for instance. Then they have the discharge planners at the hospital. Uh, they've got to find out if they need home health, if they need uh, specific uh, duties or respiratory therapy at the house. And those are, those are fine to do that, but coordinating care and then actually getting it all to be more symphonic in the way it ha happens for the patient at the time of the, uh, the treatments or the, the services rendered, that's where the gaps come in. And so what people like Mid-South do, uh, or what we do, I should say, is we, we uh, kind of oversee the, the care. We don't replace any, any provider in the, uh, the patient may or may not have. We do not do that uh, at all, specialist, whatever. We're there to cover gaps and we're at the same time protecting their uh, compliances that the other providers they may ha have and uh, basically uh, you protect that protect them to make sure that they're compliant there and backs up uh, th that whole co group of compliance it really just gels together oh, there we go my, my screen timed out on me i'm sorry uh seeing a medicare patient medicare says okay if you have a readmission to a hospital and it's in a certain criteria all cause, partial cause in a certain time frame with the same uh, diagnoses that go back, they're not going to pay for it and that facility is going to get dinged. Okay. Well, we help protect the interest in that capacity, but that's not the prime focus. The prime focus is making sure the patient has these gaps covered. And uh, we coordinate with home health agencies. We don't replace them. We're not a home health agency. We just work together with all these different players that village is treating the patient. And it goes, it's really, it's actually simple, but it sounds vastly complex, but yeah, it is, yeah. it has, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of effort, a lot of communication interfacing with diff, different systems like EHRs. Uh, and then of course, where's your focus? There's your patient. You got to take care of them first. So, so yeah. And, and so with that, you know, one of the things I remember when we were talking um, the first time we met um, is that you were, I thought it was really key that you were really also saying, you know, you just said it just now. I was like, at the end of the day, we're all really, really focused on the patient. And the more that we work on like developing those relationships with patients, making sure that they are in kind of the more that our team can better support that. So talk to me a little bit about that. How do you, how do you go about that? How do you communicate that with patients and, and their families? Um, kind of where's, where's your mindset in that capacity. I gotcha. I'll, di I'll dive in on the medication specifics if we yeah. can for a second. Uh, now in my, my arena, uh, again, being a, a medication and been pharmacy over well over 30 years, seen done and everything there is basically you can do in pharmacy. Uh, there's this latest thing that's coming around uh, called pharmacogenomics. It's a, a, it's a one and done type of test that will test genetics, your genetics, like a swab, like the 22andMe in some similar concept. And you can swab your cheek uh, and have it analyzed. And it'll tell you uh, what drugs in certain classes that you do need by your provider authority and, and treatment, but it will tell you which ones will minimize, say, side effects. Would be more optimized for you metabolically. Now that is like super cool. Yeah. And even Medicare, yeah, and that and Medicare and other insurance companies allow that for certain majority of the major classes of drugs for a lot of the uh, standard American uh, treatments are being done: diabetes, uh, cardiovascular uh, type drugs. Uh, so you, you have this allowance, this little tool, one and done. It's not a big series of tests, but that is a great tool that improves communication from the providers. So they can, you know, treat the patient in their little village, but also 
that can give the patient less confusion. I don't, why do I not take all these meds? I, I just get, they get overloaded with all the meds. Yeah. And so that can, that, that little test can, can facilitate the uh, communication from provider level and shrink that gap of communication and then take it right down to the patient. And then really, Hey, I don't have to take this extra pill or two, or this one might work better for me. I finally get it. Now I make sense why I had these side effects. Yeah. So that's, that closes the loop. And then when you have that engagement with the patient, they, they only, not only do you develop a great relationship in the bond and a trust, you just made their world a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. You talk about even having that as a tool, um, so that the patient better understands like, hey, this is what it is. This is what it's saying. This is why we're changing something, especially if someone's been on a medication for a really long time. I could see being a little resistant, like, oh, wait, no, wait, you can't, can't take that. I've been on that for 15 years. But right. the other thing that you said I thought was interesting is it allows you guys to communicate provider to pharmacist and and that place a lot easier to kind of be on the same page for how you're um, taking care of that patient. That's right. And you you always want to have that that dialogue because uh, pharmacists go to school to be drug experts, pretty much. Doctors go to school to be medical experts in treating patients. And if you have these hybrided uh, uh, specialties in one locale, so to speak, then you have a bit greater chance of a return for that patient. That's just the bottom line. And at the same time, you, you save the, the systems, insurances and stuff over time tons of funds they don't have to pay out for other potential events other worsening conditions diagnoses other undiscovered diet you, you never know how far that that intervention will take and make something better or eradicate something that was could be costly in all kinds of capacities later so that's why it's this model is extremely important it's the way not only that the the, the insurance companies are seeing it in a way but they're also wanting to say, okay, you're going to have to do this, but they don't tell you how to get there. <laughs> and so when you, we figured this out, I'm not saying we're the only ones to do it in the, in the United States, but we, we really put that with the missional mindset, with the depth, and we just said, we're going to go. And we did it. And it's the effectiveness, the outcomes that are, the metrics do show. And about the proof of concept way beyond that. Yeah. It's, it's just that effective. And so that, snippet uh, that we've pretty much started to dive in here today is where you're going to see a major shift and change in the whole healthcare paradigm because the current system is so fractured and broken. We all know it, yeah. but there's other technologies, other uh, tools that we can all use to drive that compliance. Not that we're forcing it down somebody's throat, just to try to be more uh, congruent yeah. in the way the outcomes are going to be you know, how would it take this to get to the outcomes over that, that village and, and these different things? It's really cool stuff. Well, and it's interesting because it actually makes me think about, you know, one, um, you know, medical memory is a HIPAA compliant app that video records um, information that for patients or, or whatnot. But it's interesting because it makes me think of one of our doctors that that started um, doing the, dis, the discharge medication via video because he's like, I can't get to each one of these patients. So yeah, I'm at least going to give this custom discharge instruction via video so that the patient has access to it. But even what you're even kind of saying is, you know, even if you take kind of that, some of that information isn't just useful for the patient, it'd be useful for other providers to be able to watch or see or too, where you could 
not necessarily do you have to do a home, like a house call, as you said, or, mm -hmm. but um, maybe explaining, Hey, this is the test. These are the things, these are what we're seeing. These are some things that you may want to do different having even a recording of that, that the patient could access, but then some of these other provider teams could see what you as a specialist are seeing as it relates to them and the body. I mean, it, I mean, outside of using, and I'm not even sure if you guys use video, but that's one way I'm even like thinking in my mind, I'm like, man, those videos could even be for the one pharmacist that's doing them to patients could be useful cross-functionally, but outside of like, I mean, how do you guys communicate? Obviously you're not always in a room all together with every patient. Right. How do you guys communicate effectively um, about a patient together and, and, and do you use video? Have you ever thought about kind of that capacity? What are your, what are your kind of thoughts? Even yeah. That? yeah. In our current EHR, they have a, a telemedicine platform that utilizes the, like what we were doing on a chat like this, or uh, in the same as a medical minute was being. So there, there's ways to do it. It's a matter of making sure for the providers that that, software or platform is compatible with their EHR. Yeah. That's a big issue I've seen since we opened the practice four years ago. And then, uh, you know, if it, it works and it's still patient friendly, the stuff we see on the provider or the, the business side of it, it is not necessarily patient uh, centric. And that, that I think is where the value and what you were talking about will come out because it's more patient centered, but the, then the providers can see the simplicity of this and deduce and then have the, follow the paper trail so to speak and then yeah. uh you know make that continuity of care a lot better uh, an outcome and yeah. that, that's very important very important that is that's really the whole purpose in itself that along the road of treating the patient you have to have the data you have to have the facts and so you can make a best decision if you are the provider or the the, the non-physician provider or the you know specialist whomever it may be uh, but if you don't have these ingredients you just increase risk right. and event of potential for diversity and you don't want that for sure and that's why i think sometimes you know live like a telemedicine is a lot of times live back and forth like we're talking now whereas a recording seems to always be helpful because not only the patient can rewatch it but their family members could rewatch it or anyone yeah. out of in that bubble could be like did i miss something am i understanding this right um and be able to have kind of that resource to help themselves be compliant um, especially as things are changing from the things they always used to do, you know, to exactly. uh, so, oh, wait, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I agree that, that that utilization of technology is awesome. It, it will, it will change lives literally. Right. I agree. <laughs> um, so that also being said, I mean, one of the other things that you, you did talk a little bit about is, is not only just taking the time to build that relationship um, with, with the patient and answering kind of the questions, but also kind of transitioning them to feel more empowered and more involved in their own care or their family also empowered and involved, especially when you're transitioning kind of in that space. Talk to me a little bit about that or, or what, what, how do you teach your nurse practitioners to, to kind of help a patient transition in the way that they're thinking with that? Well, you first find some good ones with a good spirit <laughs> and you hire them well. But no, yeah, that, I don't, we don't try to, uh, we guide, give them guideposts, kind of like uh, boundaries. Like if you're on the road and, you know, we'll markers and we say, okay, if you have the right spirit about yourself, which we do, we screen them in our hiring process, for example. Uh, but we, we make sure that's first part of your foundations. And then you do what you were trained to go do, but make sure you think of it in a missional move sense. This is, the patient is the mission. And the mission's never going to be done, but you will. You need to remember who you serve. And it's not a command. We're not going to 
pound their head up or anything like that. We're just saying, just remember who we serve. We can't forget that. We, that's, that's, it's just out of the question. You have to remember it. Yeah. And then on top of that and the other ingredients, we, uh, we give uh, the tools like for, you know, having say a pharmacist uh, do clinical in medication therapy managements that back up the provider and what they are doing. And we're shepherding, overwatching those events. God bless you. <laughs> uh, so it's it's kind of cool how you can make them look like, in a sense, rock stars. Not that they aren't they aren't already rock stars. You sure. just make them shine brighter uh, with that aspect of, of that. And then that affords uh, you can take the time with the provider and show them the the ingredients, and they're like, "Whoa, how cool is that?" And then you know. Even to the big C-suite folks, if you show them the numbers, you know, if you build it, they will come. The numbers will come and you'll see in the revenue side, which is a whole deeper dive, probably another conversation. But it all works together synergistically. But you got to remember who you serve. And the first is the patient, as we've said many times here. I just can't say it enough, honestly, because it's the truth. Uh, but we, if we just all did this stuff in unison, which we do. And we, we, I mean, it's never a hundred percent, but you definitely aim for the hundred percent always. Yeah. And when that dynamic works, it's on fire and it just goes insane. And it, it, it is a good insane <laughs> in the, in this day and state. So hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're really talking to it. Um, as far as like really looking at the people that you hire that have, you know, that, that energy or that servant's heart or things along those lines, because I definitely recognize and, and also like being a tool when we're integrating in hospitals, you know, a lot of times, and so now I have a question for you about that is, is sometimes people are like, oh, there's another thing. Oh, oh, like there's more to kind of do. And even though they know in their core, you know, this is what's best for the patient. This is what's best for their family. Um, I, I know it will help them heal. I know it will help them better understand their care, but they do feel overburdened or overstretched or, or any of those things. You know, how, how do you, even as a leadership team, or maybe it's, you know, aligning that core value that you said from the beginning, you know, how do you help some of those nurses that, that might feel, especially now overburdened, over overwhelmed to mm. continue to do the little, the little things that may take just a few minutes longer to, to serve and to educate kind of the patient. I mean, what, what advice do you give to other leaders trying to implement or what do you even kind of tell some of these nurses? Well, that brings me back to an interesting uh, book I read a long time ago. It, it, it's, uh, uh, gosh, 15 years ago, I think it was, but there was one sentence that stood out to me the most, and this may sum all that up to answer your question. It was uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth area for about 100 years. There's, there's a uh, car dealership family, literally a family of, of, of folks called Sewell Village. And the great-grandson is named Carl Sewell, if he's still around with us. I'm not sure at this time. However, he wrote a book called Service from the Heart. And the, I didn't want to read it at the time. I was kind of told I had to, so I did. But that, there is one profound sense that made the whole book and all the, my, my naysaying and not wanting to read the books. I had a lot of other stuff to do. It totally, like, sold me, in a sense. Uh, not a car. It sold me on the passion for people. And you can kind of see it bleeding through the screen and on the audio. But he said, I'm not in the car business. I'm in the people business. I just happen to sell cars. So in essence, everyone, whatever we do for an occupation, we must remember we're in a people business. We just happen to do fill in the blank. And that blank is, okay, I went, I'm now a hospital administrator or, uh, you know, I'm a nurse or a doctor, fill in whatever the blank is. 
but you're you're in the people business and you must remember that going back to the core tenants. And then on the second side of that, this is outside Carl Sewell's book, is you reinforce that by the leadership and you show them and you you you, you shower them with love in a appropriate way. Uh, like, you know, I mean, you know, gift cards or whatever, but you want to hear them have the input. If they see something that can improve the prep quality of the practice or what they're doing, don't let it be on a deaf ear, no blind eyes, yeah. listen, and then be receptive and then discuss it. And at least they had a voice, whether or not it actually comes to flourishing, but be really genuinely open as a leader or a business owner or whatever, and just do it. And you got to have that. And then you reinforce your core tenants and then, okay, Hey, I'm going to buy you a lunch today. You know, that's the way it's going to be. And maybe do that in surprise sporadic things. We've done that many times too. And retention, retention for employees is, Oh my gosh. Amazing. I can, I can show you my Facebook posts and I mean, my employees are posting. It's not me. Yeah. It's almost like, wow, I feel really honored. I'm like, dude, thank you for saying that. That's really cool of you. But that value add has its own, degrees of continuity and then they, they pay it forward and they're your best marketing tool or whatever it's not it's just you have an organization that's doing it for all the right reasons right well yeah. and it's interesting because that, that even ties into what you said at the very very beginning like it, it takes a village it takes you know that integration it takes everybody on board to, to 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 take care of these patients and just as you said you're like i'm not saying it takes you know leadership or a few nurses like it, you know, all a village, I'm saying everybody, you know, and, and, and that, you know, if, if, if your teams are feeling empowered to have a voice, to have ideas, to try new things, you know, there is much in that village in supporting patient care. And I think you kind of said that at the beginning and that kind of like wraps it up kind of on, on how that even goes um, in that mindset and that kind of core value of, of saying, you know, we all listen to your ideas too, or just let's, let's try it, you know, let's, let's try some, try things and, um, always put patient centered first. Absolutely. It's core. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, Sean, you are such a pleasure to chat with and I really appreciate your, your time and your wisdom. And, and, um, I really think that you guys are doing a lot of, of cool things, as you said, that's a little bit different, a little bit more innovative, um, to really kind of support what I would think is a hard time for a lot of patients. So, um, yeah. I look forward to many more chats kind of as we were yeah need to evolve with your business and, and as we're looking at patient communication um and thanks again for hopping on absolutely again julie appreciate the time and you know i, I would love to look forward to well and love to do more of these things awesome thank you yeah no problem and cut thank you for joining us on this episode of take one patient we hope you have a nugget or two you can implement into your practice with your patients today for more information about recording your visits with a HIPAA compliant app, go to www.themedicalmemory.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Julie Recording Doctors. Thanks again.